Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hear Me See Me podcast is sponsored by Zenoti, the number one cloud software for salons and spas. Because when people feel good, they find their greatness. I am Stuart Roberts, and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me See Me. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people. Some of the people that work in some of these places, many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job, this is a calling. Hello, this is Stuart from Hear Me See Me Podcast. Today I've got I've got a wonderful lady who, who I've only just met, and it's the same old thing. I feel like I've known her for years. Today I'm talking to Helen Fitzgerald Wade. How are you, Helen? I'm good, Stuart. How are you? I'm wonderful. We got there in the end, didn't we? We had a couple of we technical did. but we're here, here we are. We're ready to go. Um, like I said to you, I'm a people's person. I'm not a, I'm not a tech person. <laughs> well, that's, that's what really drew you to helping us at Haircuts for Homeless and, and you know you've got to be a people person to even want to even do it so um, absolutely but we're gonna we're gonna sort of go towards that later about what what brought you into it but I'd like to go right back to you know you as a the young wee Helen uh what <laughs> you know like what got you into hairdressing and, and like where did you grow up and that you know take me back to that um so uh, I'm uh, the ripe old age now, 51. So I was born in uh, Thurless, County Tipperary in 1971. Wow. And um, we moved to, we. my parents lived in Shannon, which you probably have heard of. Yeah. Uh, but my mum went back to Thurless, Tipperary, uh, for me to be born in the same county that she was born in. Mm. Um, they're very proud Tip people, so... They wanted their children to be born there. Um, so we lived in Shannon and then we moved to Galway, which is where I spent most of my, my life. Um, but my first recollection of wanting to be a hairdresser was um, I used to sit <laughs> in the chair in the salon and watch the hairdressers give me a special fringe. Um, and I don't know any other words for it except special. It was about that short and I used to sit there looking in the mirror going yeah when I become a hairdresser I'm not giving anybody a special fringe nobody and so that's where it's that's actually the first thought and I was probably uh, five six all the way up to 13 where my mom used to say make sure her fringe is nice and short and I used to think, no, don't do that to me, please. So was if that I had... so she got a money's worth, was that so she got like didn't did, did, uh, have to take your back to <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she said she's got beautiful eyes, everybody needs to see them. <laughs> like, they, they can see the eyes, they don't need to see the entire head. And it was just special. I, that's uh, it's special. So when I have parents ask me now, could I cut make sure the fringe is cut really short? I'm like, no, uh. that causes hair trauma and I'm not doing it (laughs) (laughs) so that's where I suppose my first thought being hairdresser came from and then I got um, a job in a salon that used to cut my hair special um, at about 12 and I worked for nothing yeah um, because I was desperate to be a hairdresser but I was too young to be paid even back then that would have been seen as child labour and um, they were just happy. <laughs> working for free isn't child labour. <laughs> it's just working for free. Yeah. <laughs> so I work on a Saturday, wash hair and fold towels, and yeah. I was 
happy to be in a salon. I didn't yeah. care what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and then at uh, 15 or 16, I'd had enough of school, really. I, I couldn't abide school. It just wasn't for me. Yeah. And I went to a convent school, um, which was interesting. Yeah. Um, my sister, I have an older sister, she went to the same convent school. And when we talk about our school days, her experience was way different than mine because right. she was academic and I absolutely was not. I spent most of my day trying to talk <laughs> to everyone and anyone who'd listen to me. Um, and of course, teachers don't like that. So we had very different experience at school. So I couldn't wait to leave um, and, and, and start hairdressing. So um, I luckily at the age of, I think it was 15 I left, um, I got an apprenticeship with the lady who'd opened a salon in Galway who'd worked for Vidal Sassoon. Wow. Um, she trained with them and had lived in England for quite a long time and then had come back to Galway. Right. So that that was quite an amazing start, I think, in my career. She, she was um, a very precision hairdresser. Yeah, yeah. The hair, like to one, it was quite incredible to watch. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that that was my, that was my training. Right. And she, I can't remember I left or she left, but um, I moved on then to another salon and I had finished my, um, my training and then I was a qualified stylist. Yeah. Did that for till I was 19. And then um, the world was calling me. Uh, Ireland wasn't enough. Right. Um, uh, And as beautiful and everything as Ireland is, I I just felt like the world needed to be explored, really. Yeah. Um, My parents were really great at encouraging anything that any of us ever wanted to do. So they... um, uh, backed me 100% and I came to England and did a job interview for Harrods and a job interview for the cruise ships with Steiner. Right, yeah, Steiner. Yeah, Steiner, yeah. yeah. And um, I, I, had a, I, had a, I had a tough decision to make because I got both jobs. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was really difficult. I was 19. I I'd never traveled on my own before. I was living in London. It was uh quite a wild time. Yeah. Um, and then I had the opportunity to for two absolutely amazing jobs. Um and I remember ringing home from a phone box and saying, "I don't know what to do." Yeah. Um and my mum said to me, "Well, you can always work on land." how many chances are you ever going to get to work at sea? So yeah. I, I didn't need much encouragement, really. I think I knew I wanted to go. Yeah. So then I spent the next uh, few years working on the cruise ships and traveling the world. Yeah. What was that like? Did... <clears throat> that was amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Hard work. Yeah. You know, I've heard it was really, they, yeah. you earn your money, don't you, I've heard. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and actually, we didn't get paid a lot. I think my pay was £45 a week. Yeah. It was very little. You got commission and stuff, but it was really for the amount of hours we worked, uh, 12-hour days, yeah, uh, six days a week. But on the other side of that was you didn't have to pay for your accommodation. You ate the same food as the passengers. You got to travel the world. So, you know, there's there's another side yeah. to that, yeah. uh, which was amazing, amazing. And I met hundreds, hundreds and thousands of people. Yeah. Hairdressers, beauty therapists, um, uh, the staff, the crew, and then the passengers. Like, yeah. it was just, uh, yeah, an incredible, incredible 
travel experience. The right um, choice for a people person, because you've already said you're a people person. For sure. So, but do you wonder, like, because that's a crossroads moment, isn't it? Do you wonder, like, your yeah. whole life would have been so different if yeah. you'd have picked the other job, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would have been so different. Yeah, yeah. funny, because it, those those moments, <laughs> they, they're so important, aren't they, you know? And uh, and you was meant to take the one, you always, I think you're always meant to take that one. But, you know, the, the significance of the other choice would have been. Yeah. And it is that thing of go with your gut. Yeah. I, I knew in my heart, even before I was ringing my mum saying, what will I do? I, I, I already knew. I just, I suppose I needed someone to say, you're not making the wrong choice, you know. Yeah. Uh, but in those moments, I think your gut will tell you what you need and where you should go for yeah. sure. So yeah. what brought you back to land then after those years? Um, so we, I did 10 ships in total and I, I did various contracts and I worked my way up to manager. Um, and then I met uh, my husband. Yeah, I thought that would be it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Um, and he was, uh, he worked in the casinos. Oh right, right. Yeah. What did he do? Uh, so he was a crew. He started off as a croupier and okay, then yeah. supervisor. And they've got so many different levels in casinos because yeah. they're all watching each other all of the time. Yeah, So it became more difficult for us to be together on the ships. They don't. They don't particularly favour couples because then they realise that you want to be on the same ship and they don't necessarily always want you um, on a particular ship. They might need you somewhere else. So we we could see it was going to start. We had two contracts together and we could see it was starting to be a struggle. So we um, we came back to Bristol. My husband Richard is from... He's a Bristolian. Yeah. And um, at the time, there's no casinos in Ireland. So it wasn't an option to go back to Ireland. Yeah. But there's plenty of hairdressers here. So obviously, I knew I could get work anywhere. Yeah. Um, so that, that's what we did. Um, and at that time, too, um, we had a family loss. My, my dad passed away. Oh. Tragically, um, in an accident, and that kind of shaped, I suppose, life from from there. I was twenty two, so I was still quite young. Oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Twenty two, twenty three, yeah. Right, right. Cool, you've done a lot, haven't you? Because <laughs> it all sounds, you know, I've done this and then a few years and that, you yeah. know, and then you get that. Oh, when I was 22, you know, like, yeah. it's quite yeah. a lot crammed in, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is a lot. Yeah. And I suppose at the time, you, you know, when you're young, it's, yeah. you go for it. Yeah. It you got energy, those, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have that, well, you know, you don't question things too much. You just think, oh, that's a good idea. I'll do that. Yeah. Um, and the confidence, I think that's the other thing too, mm. is when you're young, you have that confidence. Yeah. That as you get older, slowly, I think you lose it. Um, and I think for everybody, whether you're a hairdresser or anybody else, you, the confidence just, you know, starts to take a little backward step. Yeah. Because life gets in the way and various things happen that maybe knock you down a little bit. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, um, where? So you stayed in Bristol. I mean, so you have, yeah, yeah. You don't yeah, have to away, but you stayed in Bristol. I worked in Bath for a little while. All right. Um, yeah. That was that was nice. A really nice city to work in. Met lots of um, interesting people there. Lots of lords and ladies because it's yeah. Uh, a nice place. Um, and then I moved 
to a salon in Bristol called Alan Paul. It used to be a massive chain back in the day. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I remember the name Alan Paul. Yeah, yeah actually, the original name was called Shaggers. Shaggers? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like an Essex salon. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think they had a lot of salons up north. So um yeah. Lots of people call they they know Shag. Shag. Uh, and I worked there for years and then I I had my son and my daughter. Yeah. Owen is uh nearly twenty and Abby is nearly seventeen. Right. So that's taken up you know, along with work, that's taken up obviously quite a huge part of my life. Yeah, now, of course. Yeah. yeah. And where, so, where where do you work today? So now I'm um, self-employed, um, mobile. Wow. Um, I found again uh, when we had the the crash in two thousand and eight. I think it was. Yeah. The salon that I worked for then had to let all its part-time staff go. Three right. weeks. Before Christmas, that was quite a shock. Yeah. Um, but because I'd already worked quite a lot in Bristol, I had a lot of clients. Yeah. So you can imagine three weeks before Christmas, I, we, I was fully booked. I oh. worked, but I was fully booked. And I, I was like, what? I don't know what I'm going to do. So I just rang all my clients and said, look, this is the situation. I basically had to. I left work today. Yeah. They said, kind of, you've got gardening leave from now. Yeah. Um, and I said, I'll come to your house and do your hair. And then after Christmas, maybe I'll, I'll find another salon. Yeah. Um, but as I started to do the um, mobile thing, actually everybody loved it. Yeah. They loved it. Yeah. They were like, don't have to go into the centre of Bristol anymore and face the yeah. traffic. We don't have to um, park, pay for parking. Yeah. Everybody just loved it. So then I, as I was doing everybody's hair, I said, how would you feel if I, if I just came to your house and did your hair all of the time? Like how, how would that be? And not one single person said no. No. Everybody said yes. Yeah. So that was 12, 12 years ago, 10 years ago. Right. Longer, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I haven't looked back. No. Really. I think this, uh, the, um, the convenience, the freedom, <laughs> freedom of the hours. I mean, I know, I know that, because um, we'll get onto this now probably, that um, haircuts for homeless. And there's a big bulk of our volunteers. I mean, we've got like 600 volunteers. Mm-hmm. A big bulk of them are freelance. I think that a lot of it is that they've got that flexibility yeah. uh, to work the volunteering around, the, the, you know, their clients, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, again, like for the other volunteers, not being tied down to a place and having to ask for time off to do anything, yeah. For, for me, raising children has been quite an incredible thing, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Being able that, to that work. Perfectly, yeah, with, with bringing yeah. children up. Yeah, absolutely. Actually coping the lockdown because, like, we, you know, like all of a sudden we couldn't work, could we? Yeah, that was, um, that, that was tough. And I think yeah. it's tough for everybody. Yeah. For people who are self-employed, yeah. and obviously people who don't go out to work, people yeah. who come home could still do their jobs. We couldn't. That was the first time I faced the fear of how are we going to pay our mortgage? Yeah. How are we going to pay our bills? Yeah. I'd never really, because I've always worked since uh-huh. I was for nothing. I've always worked. And that was the first time, even for about a week, that I was really unsure yeah. of life. Yeah. I think, you know, like, the first stage of it, we done loads of work with just reassuring 
not even reassuring. We had that we couldn't reassure our volunteers, but just sort of being and listening to them. You know, we had loads and loads of phone calls. Me and my sister, you've met. Um, just lovely yeah, lovely Blinda. Lovely Blinda. <laughs> and we, we, but we was just sort of, you know, like we didn't know what to say, you know, because, and I, I know that it, quite a few instances of women who had, um, not women, people who had um, got got like a home salon, you know, um, yeah. and they'd, they'd invested, so they'd, you know, because people think, oh, it's the home salon, just stuck in the garden. Some people make quite an investment of it and they, they borrow money to do it. So, you know, they, they have a, a room built which can cost a few, tens of thousands of pounds. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a fully functioning, you know, salon room in the garden. So there's a deck with that, you know, as an outgoing. Um, but then because of the situations, they never um, they couldn't apply for any of the grants or anything because there wasn't a, a, a salon. Yeah. Um, and I know I know one of my actual team leaders who, who in the end had to just walk away from the career because she'd worked so little over the 18 months previous. Yeah. That, um, and, and, but volunteering with us led her to go into helping people and she now oh, works in the same sort of capacity she's got a job and she gets a fulfillment out of that that oh, wow. yeah changed careers and yeah you know, lovely lady uh, yeah so it, it was it was tough wasn't it like yeah no it was and for anyone i think that went out to work and the same for my husband he's changed careers now he's not in a casino he's he's in a cinema so all right obviously they closed um so it became like we're looking at each other going well nobody's working what happens now families were like that Uh, luckily you know slowly slowly uh, because i've been self-employed for so long i have a tax history so um you know we got we got furlough and so things were easier then you know, it, it wasn't so stressful. Yeah. Uh, at least that way, it wasn't so stressful. No. No. Um, yeah, it took it out. I think physically for me or mentally, mentally for me, the fact I couldn't do, I didn't realise that, I've said this many times, how much doing this the, 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 the charity helps me mentally. So all of a sudden I was just, it was stopped and I kept filling my day as much as possible because yeah. I'm a doer like you, you know, I wanted to keep doing. And um, But that thing of taking away my therapy, because yeah. it's almost like my yeah. therapy, yeah. you know, got the world going on and then, then you have a couple of hours where you constantly think about other people, it yeah. takes you out of yourself. Um, and I struggled for those. I think I struggled more. For the 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 second lockdown, you know, the, the early part of last year. That was because it was the winter. Was yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it that was one cold was and miserable, and we couldn't put the heating on because it was no. too expensive. I remember yeah. sitting here, you know, with a hot water bottle, trying to help my daughter homeschool. Yeah, it was miserable. It was miserable. Yeah, but actually. That's where I found you. <laughs> oh. I'm not commiserating. <laughs> that's where no, that's where you started stalking me. <laughs> tell me about that then. Tell me what tell me that story. I stalked a friend of yours first. <laughs> right. Who's a friend of mine? Tom Chapman. Oh, lovely man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um some uh, I think it was a client who works for the NHS said to me. Do you know there's a, a this guy called Tom Chapman who's doing courses on mental health for hairdressers and barbers? Yeah. So I immediately started to look at it. Um, yeah. I've been very aware of mental health my entire life. My mum was a Samaritan for 25 years. Wonderful, yeah. So even in you know uh, 40. 30, 40 years ago, I was very aware of mental health, probably before, you know, in my 15, 16, I knew that word. I knew the word depression. I I had heard my mum, you know, talk yeah. about various things that she'd come across in her volunteering life. Yeah. 
So um, to say I've had an interest in it is wrong, but I've always been very aware of people's mental well-being and how it comes and how it goes and all the things like that. Um, But I did Tom Chapman's Zoom in one of the lockdowns. Zoom where, and I think our one was the first he had done on Zoom before he done them in person. And this one was on Zoom. And what I found really interesting about Tom and the way he spoke actually was talking about the confidence maybe deteriorating over the years. I've always known hairdressing is a great job, but that thing of, well, you're just a hairdresser. Yeah. That's kind of, all hairdressers know that. But what Tom did was he put a completely different spin in it that I knew was there, but to have somebody say it so strongly and powerfully, I was just like, wow. Yeah. That's just wow. Um, and obviously Tom talks about um, his friend um, very sadly committing suicide. Um, and that's it's a, it was very profound to hear someone talk the way Tom talked yeah. about being a hairdresser and having such an impact. Yeah. And so I, I think I started to follow Tom on Instagram. And then haircuts for homeless popped up. <laughs> and that's where my journey started with yeah. yourself and actually the whole team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like I know everybody and yeah. I know nobody. <laughs> yeah. There's that, we, we, yeah, we say that. We, we do say about it. That I say it a lot and I put on their haircuts from his family. Yeah. And it sounds a bit cliched. Nope. But we are like a big extended family. And, yeah. you know, I've got team leaders who, who, who get in touch with other team leaders and from yeah. different parts of the country. And it, it honestly does really feel like a, a family. And you should do that. You know, when you see other team leaders, you yeah. know, honestly, if you inbox them and message them and say, look, I've just started Bristol, you'll be yeah. amazed. Because, okay. you know, they all love, everyone loves it. They, they, everyone does it, you know, which is a wonderful thing. Yeah. No, and I, it feels like part of a family. I feel like part of a tribe. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's yeah. it's a tribe. I I, I yeah. feel very. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what, what made you hesitate? Because you said to me you you thought a long time. What what was making you hesitate? Uh, what made me hesitate? Well, obviously lockdown because we oh, were that's in. A big one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it made us all hesitate for a while there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I couldn't even do my own job. Don't mind doing uh, anything else. Yeah, my house really. Yeah. Um. So that made me hesitate, and I and my confidence. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um. And and you know I've had my own struggles. Um. My mum before lockdown passed away, and that knocked me, uh, quite a lot hard. Um, having lost both parents, uh, it, it takes it takes time to come back from that. I think yeah. grief is a really um, all-consuming thing. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got to say because I'm I'm an open book. We've just been speaking about that before we started recording, and you know, and the fact that you know I lost my dad. 15 years ago but like I'm actually losing my mum at the moment you know and that and that's why we had that that big chat yeah it's a funny thing it it it, um it just it's so draining yeah to watch someone go before your eyes and I can imagine like if if you was I I sort of get that I I, I really get that because I know it's draining the life out of me at the moment yeah I'm, I'm having a, a difficulty functioning almost on a daily basis, but uh, and my sister, bless her, is as well more so even I think. Um, so I get that, yeah. I, I, I get where it takes you a little bit of time to get back from that to be able to take something on. Yeah, uh, 
absolutely. And, and actually be able to give something your all because, unfortunately, grief, wh- whatever is left at the end of the day, um, the grief takes sucks the life out of it. So um, I think where I was when I messaged you, I was at a place where I felt like I could give something my attention and something I'm one of one of those people I want to give it all my attention I didn't want to just give it perfectly yeah and, and especially something as important as I feel haircuts for homeless is yeah um I wanted to give it what it deserved yeah um I remember on a walk with my daughter saying I'm thinking about doing this and I knew once it was out of my mouth, I would have to yeah. keep on that road. Yeah. So it had gone around in my head for a long time. And then I said it out loud. And I thought, well, you said it now. You have to do it. Yeah. Um, and I, driving around Bristol over the years that I've been here, and especially being mobile, I drive lots of places. Yeah. Um. I see everything and I have seen everything or so I thought actually until we came out of, I think the last lockdown, I saw something that literally stopped me in my tracks and I could barely drive the car afterwards. I cried so much. I saw a young lad on, there's a road in Bristol called the Gloucester Road. And it runs between a, a area, let's say that's not the best, as in, you know, it's it's not very affluent, to a to a place that's very affluent. Mm-hmm. So it's from one extreme to another you go. And this young man was in um, a wheelchair. He had one leg, and he looked desperate and desperate is the only word I can use. And he was sucking lighter fluid with a cigarette and a can of cider. But I, in my life, I've seen lots. Mm. I've People sniffing glue. I've seen people on spice. I've seen people drunk because that's what's turned up in front of my car. You know, I've seen it. But to see someone sucking lighter fluid... I just thought in that moment, what's happened to that young man's life? Mm. That he is on this road now in this despair. Um, what's happened? Because the most horrific things must have happened. Yeah. Something has led him to where he is right now. And people just... And I'm not, and I'm not bad, in, bad mouthing people, but people were walking past him. Oh. And I, I was stuck in traffic, so I had no choice but to look. No. And just think, like, wow, wow. Yeah. How sad, how lonely his existence must be, because if you're stuck in lighter fluid, life hasn't been good to you. No, and and it, you know it's it's just his gym. The practicalities of being, you know, in addiction, you know, possibly homeless. You know, yeah. oh, he was absolutely- pro- probably homeless. Yeah, in a wheelchair with did say had one leg or no legs? Yeah, or, one. And he, he was one leg. Losing along with the other leg. Oh, I know. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, and the, you know that you think the practicalities of that. I must admit, like talk about. When you get a bit, it's being humbled, isn't it? You know, and uh, absolutely. I was. <laughs> it's quite funny. But I was. I was in. Um, I was in Leeds. I was in Leeds, and I've had a. I've had a, a few years ago. I had a knee replacement, and I think it was before I'd had it. So I was hobbling about a bit before I had the knee replacement, and I was in a lot of pain. You know, and I'd had a long train journey or whatever, and I was just. And I was really feeling sorry for myself. And I was in this, um, we was halfway through this session and I was getting a bit umpy, you know, because I was a bit, I was in pain. 
I was tired and yeah. you know, and this guy coming in a wheelchair with no legs <laughs> and uh, and a great big smile on his face. Yeah. And I said, Oh, do you want me to cut it? And she went, No, 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 leave off. He goes, or oh, in in a Leeds accent, he went, No, leave off. And he he, he just sort of <laughs> just rocketed out of his chair and he got himself along and he got himself up in the chair and I cut his hair and I thought Stuart you miserable sod like you know when you think like I've been thinking and I think oh my poor leg is hurting yeah. <laughs> this guy just come with no, with no legs and a smile on his face I thought yeah I think I've been sent a message yeah. <laughs> I've been sent a message it ain't that bad you know it ain't that bad no, no. <laughs> I, I think that's the thing, even on the, the our first session was, I just, that thing of those lovely people coming in and one, trusting us, I think that was yeah. a thing. But the other thing was um, beaming, you know, beaming. Yeah. Um, you just think, well, what, what's wrong with me? I have, I have the world. I have the world and I have no complaints. Yeah. They have everything to complain about, everything. Yeah. Uh, but they're leaving here with a smile on their face after a haircut. Yeah. You know, uh, that was the that was the great thing about that day was knowing after, after seeing what I saw on the Gloucester Road and thinking, I don't know how to help. Yeah. Uh, what can I do? I'm one person. Yeah. But finding haircuts for homeless, um, I, I see a way I can help now. Uh, it's small. It is small. I, and I'm very aware of that. I'm not going to change the world. But at least now I feel like I can do something. And do you know the biggest smile of all that day was yours? <laughs> you know why? I've 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 seen a lot of people like people's reactions to it, but you and me, me and my sister because we had a long drive. We drove three hours there, yeah, <laughs> three hours in there, and then I drove three hours back. You know, I really yeah. slept well that night, <laughs> but that, like, like I'm being moaning again. But like, yeah. <laughs> we had a long, we had a, basically we had a long drive back, so we was chatting away, yeah. we was buzzing. We was actually really buzzing because that was a Monday. Yeah. Um, on the Friday night, we'd met a new team of people at Haircuts uh, Fromers in Knightsbridge, which is a weird one anyway, because you go past Harrods and then into a church and underneath, and there's a 100 people who ain't got enough money to eat properly, queuing yeah. for food and in a, in a great atmosphere. And we'd had a real buzzy, real great session. And then we went all the way to Bristol and we had another one. So we was driving back on a high. But we both commented about how how grateful you was. Like you you, kept, you said to Blinda separately, you said to me, I'm so, I can't, it was like the excitement you had because you said, like, I can't believe it's actually happened. I can't yeah. believe this is, we're here doing it. Yeah. You know, and it like, that fuels us. Yeah. That fuels us to carry on, especially in difficult times like we're in at the moment. It fuels us to keep moving and, and you know, like, and it was a wonderful session. I mean, the Turkish lady with the long hair, you know, like she was she hung around the whole time, didn't she? She had a wonderful time. She, she and when she came in, she was very, um, she, she wasn't angry. That's not the word, but I think she was uncomfortable yeah. and um, maybe mistrusting. Yeah. But she didn't want to leave. Like no. she wanted to stay. Um, yeah. And and every I think everyone I I certainly felt everyone that came in brought an energy into the room. Yeah, and they were all different, but actually when they all left, they all left with the same energy. Yeah, which was happy, and they all waved to all of us. Thanks very yeah. much, everyone. Yeah. You know there was they would come in quietly and leave loudly. That's it. <laughs> yeah, and that's I, it. <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> that that 
like from every session. Now I know they're not all going to be like that. No. And maybe they might be, maybe they won't be. Yeah. But that was great. And in hope, the charity themselves are a great bunch of people. Oh. Who do amazing work, amazing work. Yeah. Uh, It was really interesting because we have got a lot on at the moment, as I've explained. Um, and then to start a new, to go off to Bristol and get a new one going was was a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Um, and Blinda said, "Oh, I've got this nutty woman Helen that keeps messaging me." No, she didn't. She didn't. She didn't. But she said, "I've got a lady who's really keen to get started." And and I, you know, we done our usual thing. We we sort of threw the ball back at you and said, "Look, yeah. well, you live there. You find a place." Yeah. And then I, I interestingly, I watched a documentary uh, yeah. on the TV and it was um, a documentary maker, film guy who had been in poor situation before, but met this sort of socialite woman who was super, super rich. Um, and they'd done a bit of a life swap. So she took him to the, you know, Monaco or something like that. And he was just a bit like, he, he looked like a rabbit in the headlights, to be honest. And he, yeah. you know, and he just couldn't believe, and you're talking super rich people. And, um, and, and, and give her a due, she, she, she returned this favour and went back to him and she, but they went to In Hope in Bristol. And you and, know why they went there? Sorry? He, the reason they went there is because he'd used their services. That's it. Yeah. Because he had been homeless in Bristol yeah. and had the Wild Goose Cafe. Um and yeah, had used their services. So yeah. he was there to see his world. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a, f- a great program. I really it enjoyed it. But yeah. my straight away my head's going, I thought, that's I'd really like to go there someday. And within days. Blinda said, oh, Helen's found somewhere. And she went, it's in Hope. And, I, and it clicked. And I thought, I know that name. Hang on a minute. And I'm Googling. And I went, that's the one I wanted to go to. Bang, we're going. I said, get a date. Then I went, leapfrog everything. Get us a date. We're going to Bristol. And that was it. So it's all about meant to be. I was like, we're going. And it yeah. didn't let down. It didn't. Honestly, it, it it's a great place. And we've recently had a very, like, we've had a very difficult situation. You know, there's a couple of places that we've stopped, we've stopped going to. Um, and we send a video for like, you know, to send to the centre. We're going to do new ones soon. Laurel's going to do some new videos for us. So I've got to do. Um, and, and I can invite you to that actually, because we, we're looking for some team leaders to take part in them as well. And I, I know how much you love the camera. Um, <laughs> not, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> but we we want to get it to sort of explain the new videos are going to be more like to explain what it's really like in a session, and you know, and not just the to allay people's fears because if people are, are worried about joining, we can let them know. People like your experience while it's fresh of how brilliant it can be. We want to get that across. But also, we do send this one of the videos we've got out to the centre and say, look, this is what we expect of you. And we've had a couple of recently where they've put, I wouldn't have to put, for, you know, put our volunteers in danger, you know, okay. and, you know to a degree. And I, yeah. like, I'm all right. I, I can look after myself. I can guide a, a session if I'm there. But I need it to be... If I'm not there, if my most my my most um, least confident uh, volunteer needs to feel safe, and Absolutely. so if it gets, you know, and they'll get you know, we give them, we say no, that's not acceptable, you know, and if it carries on, we can't go back, and it's a shame because all I ever feel about is is the guests, and I feel about those wonderful guests, and I think the centres, if they're not doing their bit. They're letting their guests down because we're taking away our service. But I've got to do that without any conscience because uh, my priority is my volunteers, you know. Uh, I've got a responsibility. Uh, uh, and in hope, it was so nice because we'd had a bit of that. So we went in and they they were perfect, you know, as an example of um, how to be a partner with Haircuts for us if you're a centre. Yeah. 
You know, yeah. you've got to do your bit. You've got to make sure we had someone with us the whole time. We yes. got it. just a little thing, like there was all tea and coffee and brownies, which I appreciated. You know, there's, you know, all of that stuff. And, and they made sure everyone knew about it. They kept them coming. They, yeah. you know, everything they done, I was appreciating everything that they yeah. did. And hopefully people will hear this. And if you are, if you are a centre, there's a camera. If you're a centre and you want us to come to you, you do your bit. <laughs> we do our bit. You do your bit. And we'll keep coming and coming forever, you know. Absolutely. Uh, but you've got to look after us. We, we, we have to be, you know, because um, that, Sorry. When I, 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 um, when I found In Hope, I, I did a lot of research. Yeah. Uh, and I just kept coming back to them every time I looked somewhere else. I just thought, but uh, yeah, but in hope. And then I just kept coming back. And when I first reached out to them, just their reaction, that alone was amazing. They were so up for it. Yeah. And then I went to meet um, Mick, the manager, and Naomi, um, the lady who stayed with us yeah. in the Lovely, yeah. Um, I just, I knew when we walked into that room, actually, I had one of those moments um, where I was glad I had a mask on because my face was like, oh, I can, I can see it working here. I can, I know what this can be. We could make it feel like a salon experience. Yeah which is what I had in a vision I had in my head is I wanted it to feel like a salon. I wanted the atmosphere to feel like a salon. Um, I want the guests to come in and feel like they've had a haircut. Yes, but also an experience Uh, in hope really helped that to happen. They, they, They helped with all of the vision that I had in my head on that day and you've done hundreds of these so I only know how I felt but you've done hundreds so I suppose you're you're the best person to say that if that was a good if that was a good session then I I'm happy I'm happy with that yeah and it's like I say um I you know this was a good instance of if you want to be a team leader you know you want to start a project, you know, be a Helen. You've got to, like, do your research. You know, it's your city. You know, we do get people saying, oh, where do you think, you know, and I go, well, look, I live in Essex and you're in, you know, yeah. you're in Newcastle or whatever, like, you know, like, you you go out and find out, you know, because yeah. if you really want to get it started, you, you will, you know, you'll yeah. do that and you'll find out. It, and um, also then the, the places themselves is that, you know, if, if, if you treat us right, you, you've got a free asset. Yes. Now, all of these centres, they they thrive themselves on providing a service. Now, if they can include um, a hairdressing service once a month or once every six weeks, you know, that's good for them. You know, they've got that on their list of things that they provide. No cost to them at all. We yep. don't charge a thing. We provide everything, you know. So they really do need to appreciate it. Um, for us to continue. And if they do, we've got great relationships. I've found, I've said to people, I could do like the AA, you know, the B&B guide. I could do the, I could do the 100% guide because, you know, I've been to so many across the whole day and the, you know, you've got ones that are very big and corporate um, charities which do great work, but, you know, uh, but I like the, I like the grassroots in hope places that, that you know yes. that, that are independent, run by people, and you know people helping people. Yes. Um, and you know the difference the minute you walk in a lot of the time, and you know the reception you get as well. Yes. You know, like we've had been in the baking up place, and I was even offered a bottle of water or anything. You know, like whereas that place, you, you know, you had all tea and coffee and everything, and it, it's 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 appreciating what we're bringing to the table. I think. Absolutely. I'm with somewhere like in Hope. Um, they have like they have um, food. I have a food bank. They have a women's refuge. They have um, life skills that yeah. they courses that they teach people. 
And I think haircuts for homeless going into them were just another piece of the puzzle yeah. to make their puzzle work. Uh, yeah. That for me, that's what I saw adding hope was we could add value to what they already do really well. Yeah, that's exactly it. We're you know we're not we we under we know our place, <laughs> and I mean that respecting what we are. Yeah, we we, we you know we're yeah. a cog. We're a cog of a good machine. You know, yeah. and uh, you know we don't we we don't rehome people. We don't do all these things. But what we do do is we give people respect. And we 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 give them, and we well, I won't underestimate it. Sometimes we do give them hope. I mean, my guy, I, I was very, I'm a very selfish person, and I, I go straight as soon as that guy walked in with a beard. I'm like, he's mine. I'm having him because <laughs> I, I I love I love a big like uh, his beard. Adam, <laughs> I'll never forget his name. Yeah, his beard when he walked, and I thought he was having his beard cut off. I was like. You're not having that beard cut off. And he said, no, I'm like Merlin. I keep all my strength in my beard. I was like, okay, that's good. That's good. What he great energy. Guy. What a lovely guy. But and the thing is, we, we I think you, you saw straight away, me and him had a real connection. Uh, yes. Immediately. And what it is, I'm, I'm, we both are, um, and he won't mind me saying, because he was saying, you know, we, we, we're both, we're both uh, alcoholics, you know. Like I, I know whether I know them; they know me, yeah. and immediately it clicks. And uh, and you know, we had a great chat. Uh, we had a great hug, and yeah. he was such a nice young man. Yes, it was, he lifted the room. He, you know, um, and it was a, it was a, it was a pleasure, you know, to get to know him and. You know, and I thought about him. You know, I thought about him a lot since we was there. Yeah. And I'm hoping that he was some of the things he was wanting to do come up for him. You know, it, 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 you don't get a chance to meet people like this no. unless you're doing this. You know. I one thing I, I would like to say: you say you're selfish, and actually, I don't believe that for one minute because I I witnessed as did the other volunteers, which we spoke about after, after you'd left, we talked about you, um, was there were two instances, one with Adam, where I don't know, you have some sort of Mary Poppins bag. I don't know where it was, but it clearly was anything that somebody needed. You had in your bag, um, which I found incredible. I think you gave Adam some hand warmers. I did, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, uh, and um, there was a nice guy there. Sorry, a nice guy there who was a little bit concerned about the fact that he couldn't get any COVID test. Yeah. Again, Mary Poppins went into his bag and pulled out a box of COVID tests and handed it to him. And I was like, I want one of those bags. You're not selfish, George. What you are is very unselfish and you hear what people need. And those two people needed very little, but I could see how much it meant more than the haircut. And that's what I mean about more than just a haircut. (laughs) Do you need my tissues? Yeah, I've got some. I don't know. Yeah, it's just taking out some. I'm a bit of a wreck at the moment. But um, day that day, I yeah. felt like I master at work. That's that's what I can say. A master in his craft. Yeah, uh, that's not not just about the haircut. No. That a master in his craft of caring about people. Yeah, and. Uh, Vicky and I, when you handed the gentleman whose hair she was cutting the uh, the COVID test, we li- looked at each other, and I was just like, "Wow, wow, that that's that's who Stuart Roberts is." Wow, <laughs> I wanted to forget about be more like Helen, be more like um, 
George Roberts and have, I'm getting one of those bags. I don't know where you bought it. (laughs) I want a bag where somebody says, this is what I would like, or I can't get my hands on this, but I have it. So I am going to get a bag and I (laughs) slowly, slowly find out what it is that people need. And um, yeah, I'm going to have a Mary Poppins bag to beat your... (laughs) I've been called a lot of things, but I've never been called Mary Poppins. But uh, <laughs> I've got <laughs> that's a first. But I've got um, we go with Merlin, Merlin, yeah, <laughs> Merlin and Mary. That was a great session. But <laughs> I, the thing is, what it is 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 just listening. You know, hairdressers are great listeners, and uh, using that skill, and the, the the more often you go around and do it, you just pick up things, and then. When you've got it in your mind, then if you do see something where you think, oh, and some a lot of people are kind enough to give us stuff, and um, you know, and that's that little magic van we've got, the little black van that goes around. You know, there's there's loads of different things in there, and I can often put my hands on things, and if not, we sometimes um, it'll be in my mind until it appears, and then I will send it. You know, like because that's the thing as well, the support we give our teams is that we can't physically get there as often as we would like, but we are at the end of the phone. We are on the WhatsApp. We love it when people put the pictures of the next session on. But also, if we ain't got it, we can often get it and then we can post it to you, you know. Yeah. So... um, so I've got to put my phone on inactive. Let's get rid of that phone call <laughs> at the wrong time. <laughs> but yeah, it, it yeah, it, it's just it's just listening, really. I think that's the thing, listening out for what people ask for. Yeah, and, and you know, we're great talkers too. That's the other thing about hairdressers; we can yeah. listen and talk. Yeah, uh, but I, I yeah, I. I think that what I witnessed then was just, it was so subtle. It was so subtle. (laughs) You did it like nobody knew you were doing it. So subtle, but I know how much it meant. I know how much it meant. And it was, it was, I I felt honoured to watch somebody do what they do best. And it is clearly what, what I appreciate that. That's uh, yeah, that's nice to know. So, uh, if you, I know you've not just got the next session booked. You've you've booked for the rest of the year, right? yeah, <laughs> up until Christmas, and yeah. uh, we've got more volunteers, which is yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm 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 really excited. I'm really excited about the future. Yeah. Um, so am I. Yeah, we, we, you know, like we we keep getting setbacks and stuff, but you know, I know I know I'm doing this for the rest of my life, you know, and I know it's grown enough now that it's going to outlast, outlive me, you know, which is what I want. I want it to outlive me, you know. It's not the Stuart Roberts project. It's not whatever it is. It's haircuts for homeless, yeah. you know, and it's it's evolving into something that that's going to continue, uh, you know, because I won't be around forever, but. Um, you know, I hope it will. You know, and I mean, I'm I'm very grateful that in my years of frustration at the world, I, you know, giving out about different things that I've seen and and never having that. Uh, I suppose, what do I do? Mm. Haircuts for homeless. I feel has empowered me that now there is something that I can do. Yeah. Very, very grateful for that. Very. To you and Linda. No. Love Linda. Yeah, love to Linda. Love, well, lovely. Um, it's been great. Um, I, I, I can't wait to come again. You know, yeah. I, will, I will be back as soon as, as soon as circumstances can, you know, permit. We will definitely be there. But we're, as I said, we're, we're, we're there. At, we're, we're at the end of the phone, and anything yeah. you need. But uh, thank you so much for giving me your your time on a Sunday morning. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Soon, Stuart. Thank much you. love. Thank see you. Me. Bye. It's just over five years ago. 
I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling.